Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. This is Drive-by Cinema, episode one, take one. So, welcome to the first episode of Drive-by Cinema, a podcast dreamt up by myself and my co-host Paul as a lockdown pastime. Is that a fair assessment? That That, that is a fair assessment, I think. I, I mean, it wasn't its only function. And can I just introduce my co-host here, Richard? Thank you. As uh, I forgot to do that. The thing about um, thing about lockdown was is it was forcing us to cook things a lot, and you were cooking a hell of a lot of potato, and I thought that you would benefit from seeing the Martian. Uh, yes, I mean it, it could certainly improve, if not my potato cooking, then at least my potato growing capabilities. Yeah, so that, that would, there there were some I can't call them side effects. There were some. Other advantages to, 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 to the beginning of this, uh, this, this movie series that we're about to encounter. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'd like to talk about fibre and bowel movements later, but the thing is <laughs> that you suggested that we should watch a lot of sci- a sci-fi movie a week, suggested alternately, and that we should review them. And I like to review sci-fi movies these days, especially on some of their scientific accuracy. Oh, and we both have a science education background, so I guess, I guess that makes sense. And for me, well, I, I just wanted to watch science fiction movies, and I thought the best way to trawl through them would be to give myself a reason for watching them, which was reviewing them. This is because you said that you hadn't seen, you hadn't been to the cinema like for twenty years or whatever. However, I, you've been I in haven't been. Well, yeah, I haven't really been watching movies that I want to watch, that I could choose to watch, that there's any selection other than the five that's on the local multi-screen. Yeah, for about 20 years, I mean, trying to watch movies on Netflix in China with a VPN is at best a stop-start experience. So, yeah, so for me, it was a chance to indulge in movie watching whilst being a layabout. The Martian is a real new wave bit of cinema, sort of bit of movie making, because it came... It came out of a book that was actually first published on the internet and then, then was turned into a book and then the film rights were bought up. And it, it's mostly like a guy who's really into science, I think, who wrote it. Weir, is it? Is it Martin Weir? I'm guessing that name. I should have looked it up for the podcast, didn't I? Drew Goddard did the screenplay for the movie. Yeah, but it's based on the book by... By Mr. Weir. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it's very. It goes into a lot of the science in, in a lot of detail, and I think that you liked the Martian. I think we both liked the Martian, but we had a bit of trouble with some of the science. Well, I, for me, you see, this is the first movie that we watched as in in detail and with with with, with the remit of reviewing it and analysing it for review. So at the outset, at the outset, sorry, I was thinking more about not science fiction, but. I don't know how you phrase it, hard science fiction or science reality or science fiction reality as being a focus for the coming movies, i.e. is the science in these movies legitimate, passable, understandable, acceptable? And so that was a major focus. And I was quite impressed really with The Martian about how how focused on the science it was. Well, the only problems that we identified, this is a very brief rundown, was that the wind on, on Mars would be so thin that it wouldn't really blow anything over. I don't think it's possible to do that. So it certainly wouldn't be blowing Matt Damon around like it did. And then there's all that stuff in space where they like blow airlocks open and come to full stops and things. That seemed a bit nonsensical. I mean, obviously there's some Newtonian reaction physics going on, but it's just the way that they treat travelling in space like you're travelling on the road and you come to a full stop. I mean, full stop with respect to what? You know, it doesn't make doesn't make any sense. But a lot of space movies get that wrong, and it might just be a sort of cinematographic shorthand. I think we graciously allowed for artistic license in reference to the to the Martian winds. I mean, you know, I mean, I've I've been in typhoons, I've been in tornadoes, uh, 150 mile an hour tornadoes in the UK. Oh, sorry, on Earth, don't particularly bowl you over. I mean, 
they do if you're not expecting it or if you don't have a treat to hold on to. But if you've seen it coming, you can hold it on to something. They, they don't really do that. So why would 200 mile hour wind on, on, on Mars would do what it did in the movie? Is you know, is as people call this movie on, it just wouldn't, would it? I mean, but we gave it a good score, I think. I think it was a good start. It was. A, it's a very good start. You know. Thumbs up. Recommend. Definitely, I definitely recommend. I'll tell you why. Because there are other movies that we're about to talk about that did the whole, let's look at what it really feels like to spend an infinite or near or what seems to be an unending amount of time in space getting toward a destination. And let's look at how boring that is. And, <laughs> and there are two ways of approaching this. One is to just... Have you seen the movie The Quince Tree? It's called Quince Tree Sun, isn't it? I don't know, but it's about a man painting a quince tree. <laughs> and it's it's two hours of watching a man paint a tree slowly. Uh, and, and that's one approach to representing boredom, is to be really boring in your movie making. Hmm. And some hmm. of the movies took that approach. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon and whoever directed it didn't take that approach. I mean, they represented the boredom by making witty comments about how boring it was. And that's what I liked uh, in terms of sophisticated movie techniques. He ended up looking very thin, uh, which is not a lockdown experience. But other than that, it was a good lockdown movie. Yes, yes, yes. That's been a theme. That has been very much a theme of these movies, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of lockdown, I was possibly semi-seriously considering, you know, will I need to cultivate my own potatoes to survive? And hmm. so, it wasn't just an entertaining movie. It was, it was it educational. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So you then suggested Arrival, which is, I think, by Villeneuve. Is that the guy's name, or have I, am I uh, assassinating that that surname? Probably. Yes, I, I, I'm just going to say yes. I think it was by Villeneuve because, it, to be honest, I don't know. It's a very stylish-looking movie. It looks like a coffee table album type thing. I mean, it has a lot of fans, no question. There are people who think a lot of this movie. But I think we both found it pretty dull. Uh, well, I've got to be further and say, uh, say torturously dull. I mean, it was a turkey-based and a pot roast and a pot boiler and, and, and a spit roast all, in, all bundled into one horrific meld. It was just awful. It was terrible. A really it, atrocious movie. It was Hawkeye's lowest key uh, involvement in anything, I think. And the science wasn't very good. I had particular scorn for the linguist whose big moment in the spotlight was a story about how you can't point at things and say what the name is. I think she talked about a kangaroo uh, being pointed at and the native saying, I don't know, or something. Uh, and then when she gets into oh, this, I don't understand the native. Yes. Yeah. When she gets into the thing with the aliens, what does she do? She points at herself and writes "human" on a whiteboard. <laughs> now, I, I, this movie was—it it sort of jumped higgledy piggledy in a higgledy piggledy fashion between linguistic theory of a certain. Of a certain kind. The Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Yes, that's what I wanted to get onto. The Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, uh, which are introduced briefly and accurately as uh, what is the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis? That your language. The, yes, the, the idea that that that, that uh, your language defines your thought. I guess. Yes. Yes. So the scaffolding of your thought is defined by the language comp the language components. Uh, and, and they presented this as, oh, I think she presented this as, as being necessary to understand these aliens. And then somehow in the movie, they actually presented an antithetical argument to this that was <laughs> crucial and pivotal in the development of the plot, in, in that our understanding of language was entire, entirely based upon our experience and the way we scaffold our experience. Yes. The, the idea was that these aliens, spoiler alert, that the aliens were supposedly beings that perceive time in a different way, in a non-linear way, and supposedly, so, so they said, they therefore write in circles, which they, they, they claimed were non-linear, but obviously a circle is a line, it's just a line that bends brown on itself. Yes, it's a 1D line in a 1D 
space that happens to be curved, you know. Yes. Like, in relation to other dimensions. But it is still a 1D line. So, yes, that was incredibly stupid, wasn't it? I, I mean, there's a clever idea there, and there's nice stuff going on, and it looks nice, but it was dull. I mean, it was just, I think I've fallen asleep three times to that movie. So, you know, it's a good ah. way of nodding off. So that was your cheap uh, sleeping pill. Yeah. If Boots was not open during the <laughs> Do not pass go. Retreat to the Martian. No, sorry, retreat to what, what we're talking about, the, the Annihilation? Well, I, yes, I fired back with an Alex Garland classic, Annihilation, which is a Natalie Portman vehicle. And in this, they are encountering aliens again that have come to Earth. But this is not an alien you can speak to. It's just a glowing, shimmering, iridescent blob that's growing in size. They send a, a squad into it. Now, now, you could argue that this is more of a horror movie than it is a sci-fi movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do you remember the old POV, the old kind of handheld POV point of view thing called Paranormal Activity? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight. Eight of them. And this movie reminded me of those. Hold the phone. Movies. These are movies that you've seen for the past, from the past 20 years. Though. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. I mean, you can't really miss that one. No, it's it's kind of a found footage film, yeah, in a way, a little bit of that. I mean, they actually keep thank you, yeah, they keep finding video cameras and looking at the contents of them and stuff, don't they? So, so I, I, what you confirm here is that the suspense levels were they 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 were roller coaster ride quality throughout the movie. I thought it was a very suspenseful and exciting and sometimes frightening movie, which is what you want, you know, from 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 a horror movie. And. It is science fiction, I think, because they're expressing the idea of an alien entity that is not like anything that we would understand. Uh, and certainly, you know, you're not, you're not going to be pointing up fucking whiteboards and saying human on it, are you? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's what's good, is, is that they, unlike the previous one, which is Arrival, where we had time-travelling, highly sentient beings that were from a different dimension, yeah, happened to manage to look like like giant squids. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, oh, we don't know what these things are. Oh, we could see them though. They look like giant squids. Uh, <laughs> we decide to write to us, uh, even though they don't normally write, with their, with their squid ink uh, to make giant coffee mug stains, not in the sky, but <laughs> only where the two dimensions meet, our dimension and their, our reality and their reality meet, because they don't live in our reality. So how do we get them to coalesce with our reality? Oh, a per- perspex screen will do it. Yeah, so I, I love, I love that the fact you know a perspex, perspex, perspex is powerful material can, can cross dimensions and alternate realities. And there was none of that nonsense in Annihilation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a different thing that we couldn't really understand that we couldn't see, and that's what made it scary. So okay, it was also beautiful looking as well, at least as much as uh, Arrival was. I mean, uh, if anybody takes ecstasy these days, I don't think they do, but if you take a Xanax or whatever, or, you know, the colours are really, really pretty. Yeah, they look great. So then you fired back with a, a movie that you thought was a bit like The Martian, in that it was hard science, called Europa Report. I, I did, and it was to my own regret. Which I jokingly referred to as the European Commission Report on Agriculture and Fisheries, which turned out to have been would have been a more interesting thing to watch. Yes, I think clicking through interminable agricultural spreadsheets would have been more fun than this horror. Because it had the guy from The Wire who goes, shit, in it, but he didn't say shit at any point. (laughs) Maybe maybe you didn't see The Wire. Maybe that reference is lost on you. Yeah, I'm just laughing politely because I've got no idea what you're talking about. Well, what you do know about the Europa Report is a large part of the exposition was done in the form of a very dull press conference. I mean, it was obviously taken in one take, like on one day, the whole thing, uh, and just split up into scenes where they do different announcements to the world's press. And that, that turned out to be more interesting than watching the space people, space men and women on the ship. The, the only good bit in the film was when that annoying character died. And I have to admit, I was asleep when he did. But that he did, I was very gratified by. Now, was that the vaguely misogynistic man who made rude comments about the other, the other, uh, the other cosmonauts or astronauts? Yes, exactly that guy. Yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, he was pretty nasty. But it, I mean, he wasn't nasty in any villainous way. He was just, just a bit of a bit of a spineball. Yeah, you no, know, that would have been entertaining. No, he was just odious. Yeah, and, and dull. And everybody else was just dull. I guess the older guy was okay, but the uh, female captain, she was deathly dull. So this is the thing I was saying about the Martian is that you know uh, some of these movies attempted to represent the reality of traveling in space for long periods of time and uh europa report was one of these and it chose to do it by presenting large amounts of boring travel time and huge amounts of really dull verbatim video locations in in the kind of little space hub so so well done europa report I, i i got a real sense of how dull it would be to travel in space it's true that there was a little bit of found footage action in it as well. I think the whole concept was a bit of a found footage thing. And I like that, but poorly done. And they had a giant squid at the end as well, just thrown in there like it needed to be. And the science was bad, because they kept falling through the ice in Europa. But I'm fairly certain that the ice on Europa is like kilometres thick. Because <laughs> Even here on Earth, which is considerably nearer to the sun, in Antarctica, I think the ice is a mile thick, isn't it? Over like 98% of Antarctica. So yeah, you know, yes. It's a good mile thick. So on a Jovian moon, you've got to assume... Is it Jovian or Saturnian? I think it's Jovian, isn't it? Uh, you've got to assume the ice would be much thicker than that. So I fired back. It's my turn now. And I went with another Alex Garland classic. Very much a companion piece to the very popular television series Devs. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Which, by the way, is a return for an Alex Garland favourite actor, Oscar Isaacs, who is also famous as Poe Dameron in the new Star Wars movies. But I think we quite liked Ex Machina. I, well, I think we liked this film on the basis of the science. Was was very it was it was sturdily built. This movie on on an understanding and a presentation of the science as is. So I think we appreciated that. It was highly believable. Yeah, it's an exploration of two scientific ideas, one being the Turing test, which they kind of throw away, because it's not really a Turing test. That's what it's set up to be, I suppose. That's the idea that if you talk with a computer, not knowing whether it's a computer or a person on the other end of the line, and you're convinced that it is a person, that it's passed this test, which would indicate that it it's as good as conscience, conscious, conscious. So that's the pretext that, uh, that uh, the visitor to this uh, to this secret compound is brought in, in 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 by is that he's there to perform the Turing test, yeah. Yeah, and the interesting part of the movie, I think, is where he has this moment of doubt that maybe he is not a human, and it, uh, he thinks. I, you see, I was a little bit blindsided by that because I thought the host might end up being a a robot himself that was you know that was that was the twist that i was imagining to be happening later on in the movie it never occurred well obviously he wasn't to me because robots can't have beards can they <laughs> it's not possible they can't grow beards N- name a robot with a beard uh that's a very fair point you can't no they don't exist Beard-growing technology is beyond any robotics at the moment, anyway. Probably for the foreseeable future. I mean, a lot of men can't grow beards properly. So, what chance does a robot have? It depends on that properly. I mean, a lot of men can grow a scraggly, wispy bit of hair that sticks out of their chin. That's not it's not a beard, not like the one Oscar Isaacs has. Well, it, it could be a robot wearing, wearing a, a latex mask with a beard. Well, you got me there. I hadn't thought of that. Imagine these date rape cases where you know, oh, you know, I, I got you know, I got rehypnol last night, but I think my assailant was wearing uh, wearing wearing a latex mask. I mean, it's problematic, isn't it? It, it is. I hadn't thought of that. When what we is were the robots turn turn rehypnol rapists and are bright enough to wear masks? This was a sexy movie, by the way. I mean, a lot of Alex Garland stuff is, I guess, but I mean, there's a lot of nice sex bots in in Ex Machina. Some of the best sex bots, and we didn't know this at the time, but some of the best sex bots that we were likely to see in modern sci-fi. 
Yes, yes. I mean, it is a good movie all around, but very sexy dancing from the robots. Yes, yeah. Uh, the other thing that it explores, which is good, is this concept of AI safety. That is, if you build a machine that's smart enough... Is there move, a term for this? It's sometimes referred to as the AI-in-a-box problem or idea or concept. So the, the idea is you're worried, naturally worried, that you build an AI that's going to be super powerful and take over the world and enslave humanity and, and so on. But you want the benefits of an extremely intelligent AI that can give you a cure for cancer and stuff. Possibly more likely these days, COVID. And so you build it, but you decide to put it in a box. Of course, to use it, you've got to chat to it. So really so what you... we're talking about is AI doing AI for, 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 to make more AI, really. No, no, I don't think so. Well, it could be. Well, because that's touched on in a later movie, isn't it? Self that you're talking about self uh, improving AI systems. Yeah. Yeah, self replicating and kind of you know petri dish AI system. And obviously, that's one way of getting to a machine that's much quicker or smarter or cleverer than humans is letting it design and improve itself because it will do so better than we could I suppose eventually now the idea of the AI in the box is that any AI, AI that's like uh, sufficiently clever that you want it or that's useful or that you'd need to keep in a box will be so much cleverer than you that you won't be able to keep it in a box you know, like the guy in Ex Machina you know, you're gonna, it's going to get let out because it will be able to manipulate you. And the interesting thing about this is people who are interested in AI and AI research have role-played this scenario. It usually goes along the lines of someone says, I'm sure we could keep an AI in a box. You just make sure you don't let it out, and you make sure you have someone trusted to interact with it so that they will never let it out. But when they role-play it, almost invariably... The guy claiming that this is going to be possible ends up saying, yeah, I let it out. And I think this film is like an expression of that idea. So we kind of give the plot away there if anybody is interested. A good movie anyway. I did have a problem with it, which was that, you know, uh, this is a very secure system. Uh, it's triple locked, so to speak. And so uh, the guy who comes in to do the Turing test, Caleb, or Caleb, uh, he hacks into the system one night when, 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 when his host is, uh, has got wildly drunk. And he manages to hack it with a nested loop and reset it with a nested loop. And I, I, I thought, you know, if you're going to show code on a screen, at least don't let it be uh, a basic in-outer loop kind of thing. So, well, yeah. Well, yes, I'm being peevish, I know, but, but you know. Yeah, but it, like the way Hollywood can't just, can't, do space properly it also can't really do computers properly it never has but this is not far off it's not it's not well, that bad the robots didn't just look sexy they look very real too so the special effects are amazing but this is not the movie that we're talking about today you after uh, ex machina gave a choice of singularity and transhumanist based uh, movies i think uh, you gave gave me a choice out of them, and I chose Automata, which is a ah. film that wants to be Blade Runner so badly it hurts. <laughs> I quite enjoyed this one. <laughs> well, Antonio Banderas acts his socks off. Yeah, yeah, big name, big name. Yeah, but boy, that sex robot, that is not an attractive look. Well, yes, yes, it was Dyson married with an industrial robot. Yeah. It was just, it was the face, man. It was the look on the face. It was that strange. Uh, it was also the insertion hole looked not smooth and <laughs> actually quite painful. Yeah, I did, no, I mean, oh, yes. I mean, terribly conceived, this one. Yeah, look, I mean, after Ex Machina, the robots don't look so good. But, well, that's not true. The robots look fine as industrial robot type things. It's just, yeah, if, if you want to do a sexy one. I mean, even Blade Runner got this right in a better way because that just had women. As sex bots. <laughs> this, I mean, this this movie was was fabulous because, as you say, they, they were copying a after the event, whatever the event was, Blade Runner, Blade Runner uh, world, and 
you think in a in a post holocaustal world you'd have massive sun flares giant nuclear winds running through this extemporaneous vertical city that they're all living in i don't know the producer and director came to the conclusion that no we're not going to do any of that we're just going to pour some water down from the top of the studio and get everybody to wear dirty plastic bags as raincoats you know <laughs> that's wonderful wonderful money saving on their part well that's blade runner through and through is filming in the rain i think ridley scott did it because partly because it's easier to hide the wires for the hover cars Ah. I think that's true. Well, there were no hover cars here in this vertical city. No, there were no hover cars, no. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was... Obviously, it's also very moody. Fifth Element has hover cars, doesn't it? And it has it a does. vertical city, too. It has vertical yeah. city and hover cars. Uh, Blade Runner itself has vertical city and hover cars. This one just had the vertical city and didn't have the hover cars. And normal cars, yeah. Actually, very <laughs> ugly-looking cars, yeah. Yeah, I think they decided, well, let's do Blade Runner and then we're going to go out into the desert and do a bit of Mad Max. (laughs) The rain was the worst bit of science because they make it clear that the rain is coming, is artificial. It comes from these dirigibles with these hose pipes so they can, because it's a desert, right? And they have to keep the rain flowing like uh, artificially. But they say clearly during the movie that it's acid rain that they've decided to spray over the city. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One for the continuity guys, that one, isn't it, really? I, there were some brief moments of worth as regards the science in this movie. I thought essentially there's an AI that has designed the security for the AI in the box. Yes. Which I thought was quite nice. This, yes. this showed a good understanding of, of the underpinning of science. It glinted like a piece of fool's gold in what was quite a drab narrative landscape. And they make that baby robot that's like a cockroach. And that's quite... I think that's good. Because, well, you know, the thing is, why would a robot want to look like a human being? It wouldn't. There's no no reason Mm. for it to. Uh, But I mostly enjoyed it because there had been 65 minutes of people trudging through a desert before. (laughs) No, any kind of special effects was at that point very, very welcome. You know. Yeah, you needed a payout by that point. But it, it wasn't trudging. It was Antonio Banderas being pulled on uh, a, a car seat through the desert. That's right. So it was even slower than trudging. <laughs> yes. So another director decided to convey ennui, pain, boredom, long, long-lasting uh, forms of emotional torture by just portraying them in a realistic way. It's, it's, it's generally a mistake to do, I think, you know, but uh, I, doubt, I, I doubt we won't see it again. This The, the movie here, I thought what it fell down on the science ridge was just ignoring Asimov's three protocols for robots. Yeah, they I just mean, had two. They just had two. Well, it, had its own, it had its own one, which was robots must not self-modify, which I mm. don't think Asimov ever mentioned. Well, as Asimov extended them, didn't he? He had more after the first three. But I don't know them off by heart, because I'm not a robot. I'm fairly certain I'm not a robot. <laughs> Hold on. No, surely not. Yeah, so another another protocol would be, you know, robots are not to understand the protocols, what the protocols are. Shit. I see what you're saying. No, but it's as if something is preventing me from understanding the meaning behind there you your inference. Yeah. Yeah, that motherboard is is jamming right now. Hmm. Got a pain behind your right eye. Let's move on to the the movie this week then. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, ignoring the protocols and that kind of thing, marked down. I enjoyed that movie, but moving on to 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 the next one. Now, who chose this movie? Just for the record, I, I don't know. Well, let's get this straight. You presented options. I chose out of the options you presented automata and then it falls to me to choose the next movie and i chose i can't remember because my brain has died i chose i am mother ah yes you chose i am mother now this is a movie from i think a fairly fresh australian or new zealand could be one or the other director actually it may be new zealand because all the special effects i think were wetter it is australian i think yeah but it's antipodean Certainly. This is another great lockdown movie. It all happens in 
a bunker. Can After... I just say this was the first movie where there, there was significant divergence on our final scores, I think. Uh, well, I think you may be right, yes. I think we may disagree about the overall. The but overall. Disagree with the lockdown, the lockdown potential of this movie. Yeah, like some of the movies we've seen, it's. Well, it's got a cast of two human actors. You, you only see one of them 20 minutes in. So it's a very claustrophobic, like a stage play. It's a bit like a stage play. Although you'd have difficulty doing that with a robot, unless you actually had a real robot. But they don't exist, of course, and I'm certainly not one. It is like a stage play. I've not really thought about it like that before, but you're right. It's, uh, I mean, it's, which is the problem I have with it, which is it, it, there's not a lot going on in there, really. So the, the conceit behind this movie is that humanity has been all but destroyed, or certainly the surface of the Earth has been ravaged by some kind of cataclysm, and there is a facility in a bunker which is going to repopulate the Earth it's got banks and banks of embryos. And at the start of the movie, you see a robot take an embryo out of a, an embryo container and gestate it in an artificial womb. And then we watch, through a montage, the art of the montage, we watch this young girl grow up in the care of this robot. And I guess you could take it from the name, from the title of the movie. You might decide to infer that the robot was is the mother. But that's not the only interpretation of the title, I guess. Well, I, 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 for me, before I watched it, I thought it would transpire that there was a huge nest horde of multiple artificial intelligences acting like not Big Brother, but Big Mother. Which, in a way, kind of came true in the end in the movie. So for me, I mean, there, there were three problems with this movie. This was very much a pro-female movie. Oh, you have a problem with that, do you? No, I don't have a problem with it, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's let's. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I mean, she's always careful. I, I, it's great that we see women in science and women operating tools. Uh, aim, and they can do anything these days, can't they? They can indeed. <laughs> so, but there was an earnestness. I felt there was an underlying earnestness to present women in a pro-science role that I found a little bit cloying. Huh. I mean, she was the only human that we know of on, on the planet. So the fact that she could, like, you know, rewire a robot's hand and do science stuff isn't... I mean, you'd want that from... If you were repopulating the Earth from scratch, you'd certainly want to give her medicine and science skills, wouldn't you, as part of her... Well, there was another woman on the planet as well. Okay, yeah, so there was another one. We didn't know that as the audience at, at the time. We didn't. So we have we have the girl who's growing up to be the replacement for all humanity. We've got the woman who we don't know about, and the woman who is the robot kind of thing, or the robot that is the woman. So it's three women, and uh, I can't and help. So you you, you are seeing the robot, robot as a woman. That's interesting. interesting. Well, it's presented as a woman. So. Presented as a woman. Well, no, she had a female voice, and she was mothering the children. So. Okay. <laughs> She wasn't yeah. fathering the children much. <laughs> well, okay. Gendered word to use. I mean, she was nurturing the children. Should we, should we say that? She was the child, child. The child. I'm taking sexist approaches to it. But, nonetheless, I couldn't help but feel or suspect that there, there was some level of intention of presenting women in a certain sort of way in this movie. You feel you're being manipulated and you resent that. Is that what you're saying? A little bit. Like, you know, I mean, when we watched Sigourney Weaver in Alien, we, don't, we didn't have the same suspicions. This was, that's, a good, that's a good observation, yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. No, it's just Sigourney, who is a female, being in a science fiction movie. That's, that's all we think, you know, taking a female lead role. Uh, whereas this, it, I, I, there's more of that hankering or the hankering from from somebody in the movie to present women with a strong role in science or to reflect the movie's content which is entirely imaginary to the world we live in today kind of thing. and I, I just found it a little bit ponderous i may be just imagining it so this is i mean what you're saying though is important because science fiction often seems to be a fantastical 
you know, imagination and, and, and not based in reality. But almost all good science fiction says more about the present and our current situation than, than you often can in other kinds of fiction or, or drama. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, I, I, I loved it that, uh, that there were some, some action scenes in the movie. But I, I think the biggest problem here was I, I hadn't really thought about it being a stage, a stage, a stage drama transposed via script to, to to an expensive movie set before. But that's a very good point. But for me, the biggest problem was just the dialogue. I mean, it is a challenge to present an effectless, witless world composed of machines and, and a robot for company, and they rose to that by by never saying anything remotely interesting or funny whatsoever throughout the movie. And, <laughs> Well, the robot makes a joke at one point. Paul. Paul, she does. She says that was an attempt at humour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's it's something about oh, you being a teenager, not doing finishing your chores or something like that. Isn't it? I can't remember what the joke is. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. It's a bit dry, perhaps, in its presentation. Ooh. But then she's the only person on the earth at the time. Um, yes, yes, yes. I yeah. Well, not well. We didn't know that. There's somebody just hanging out on the beach. Yes. Hilary Swank, by the way, who is a legend, and I think she puts in a decent performance in this movie, but I have to say, she's quite an unlikable character. I didn't warm to her. I like that about her. I like the edginess of that. Okay. I thought that was good acting. There's no doubt she's a great actor. Well, here you are claiming that the film is a bit dull and the dialogue's bad, yet you liked that portra- that portrayal, and I thought it was a- it put me off, you know. I didn't like really? it. Well, I'm getting onto the action and the SFX, you know. I, well, there, there was virtually none apart from apart from an expensive set full of, full of clanking machines and, and steam coming out of pipes. I mean, you might as well watch Robot Wars on BBC too, because the only action we got was some robots trying to cut through some steel doors. Come on, though. The, the robot was cool, it, and it looked convincing enough. You didn't think? Uh, okay. I actually thought the robots in the Antonio Banderas one were better. You may be right. I, I like the uh, the warming pads on its arm and its chest. I thought that was a cool touch. Oh, I'm not saying it wasn't a very, a, a very conscientiously made movie. It just didn't really spark any interest in me in fact i did manage to fall asleep four times during this movie oh okay well that is a bad sign but you, i mean you were watching under duress presumably at strange hours having put it off for like a week and a half oh, i had it off for a long time yeah, yeah. i found there's only so much science fiction you can consume happily well what other science fiction are you be consuming you did mention that you'd be watching tales from the loop yes we discounted, well, for two reasons, we discount this. One is it's a television series. Yes. That, I think that's a, a rather piffling objection, but a legitimate one nonetheless. And the other is that it's kind of not really science fiction, it's more kind of ma- magical realism. Yeah, like we said, it's magical realism with, with a robot or two in the background. Yeah. For good effect. But they're really pretty robots. And very realistic robots. Well, they are, yeah. They're designed by an artist, aren't they? But yeah, it's based on Whoever Swedish artist is. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that I'm too lazy to to Google right now. But but it, it, it is it's great art really. It's you know these vast landscapes, empty landscapes, with the occasional robot here or there. So, so that's what you've been doing. That's why you're burnt out on sci-fi. As you've been watching the series, is that fair to say? We watched seven sci-fi movies over a period of. I don't know how many months. <laughs> Maybe two months. So we're on one a week, really. And that was it. I mean, you're done with it. You're done with it. You can't do any more sci fi now. I can if I sort of. Did I Am Mother not raise interesting questions for you? Because the ending is interesting. Because it transpires really that the intelligence that controls all the robots has engineered this situation because it believes that it can do better. That, that if, if it starts again and trains humans to grow up to be ethical that it can repopulate the world and and make a better world it caused the apocalyptic event is what you're saying it's did you not were you asleep during the ending i, I was asleep 
I was asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Apparently, the robots engineered the situation. So, it's a bit like Noah's Ark, right? That the, the idea is there. To make us better people. Yes. And that's why a lot of the training that you see the girl doing is all about ethics and stuff. You know, when she goes to that exam, it turns out to be like a Myers Briggs test or whatever. Did you see that or you were asleep for that bit? Yes. <laughs> Well, she skipped the exam. She managed to get away from it for some time. Yeah, but then she, she got sent into it again. The, 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 the robot insisted. I remember her saying something about camps. Yes, they do a lot of ethics like training. But the, the exam that she takes is not like science or anything. She's brilliant at it anyway. And she can do medicine. She can do surgery. But the exam she, te- she takes turns out to be just a personality test. Does it? And it, it is to be inferred that if she failed the personality test... She would be incinerated. Were you were you awake when she discovers the bodies in the incinerator? Yes. So she wasn't the first one to be to be podded. Exactly. Exactly. And like about this was simply that I thought the Matrix did similar things thirty years ago. You know. What you think? So twice in thirty years is too many times to revisit a concept, is it? No. 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 (laughs) No. It's just. uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, which brings us on to next week's choice. I don't think it does. I, we've got a, I think we've got a couple more minutes to talk about I Am Daughter, why you're wrong. <laughs> I, I, because, listen. I mean, there's a sequel to The Matrix 2 and 3. But what can what can a possible sequel to this one be? What, what can possibly happen? Well, the sequel to I Am Mother... Well, you would argue, like many would, that like The Matrix, there should not be a sequel. That it has explored the important philosophical questions and that all you can do from here on in is have fights with robots. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if it works for paranormal activity. I'm interested that you have been exposed to horror movies more successfully than science fiction movies. Well, okay, so going back to my 20 years of not watching movies, what I mean is, there's, I mean, you know, living out in China, there isn't much chance to see anything other than, in the last four years, the most recent Avengers or Star Wars installment or some random Chinese or, or Korean nonsense. Right. And this is the movies. Yeah. So that's all there is in the movies. And, and then DVDs, of course, you know, China is ahead of the curve in terms of adopting a fully electronic lifestyle. So DVDs stopped being sold in China about 2013. Everybody went electronic. I am done with silver discs. So before that, you know, yes, I had had a steady diet of DVDs. But because they were so cheap, you know, 15 pence, 20 pence a time, when things stop being a commodity, you stop respecting the the value they have. And you just kind of watch anything or nothing. Uh, so I had had a steady diet of DVDs, but from 2013, you know, things were electronic, things went Netflixy, and then of course VPNs and the firewall kicked in, and it was very difficult to watch stuff at home from that moment. So I have been watching movies, but mostly they've been the big releases on screens, you know, on, on movie screens. But yeah, you know, I had a di- I had an unhealthy diet of movies before that time, including Paranormal Activity and, you know, that kind of stuff. Because although we started this with sci-fi movies, we could transition to another genre. And I, you know, I'm all all for doing some horror. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, like the series that I watched a lot of during my hiatus from, from, from healthy or regular movie watching was Resident Evil. Uh, a very involving involving, uh, franchise that, rather like The Matrix, you know, puts its philosophical points in the first movie and then they have all the points afterwards. uh, Fast and Furious, I I, I guess you could say the same for the Fast and Furious franchise and and Jurassic Park franchise. Yeah, I think think the philosophy of Fast and Furious was certainly done by the first movie. It was yeah. It was very much. It was something that that concrete had set, haven't it? You know, <laughs> they definitely put their hands and feet in the Hollywood Hall of Walk of Fame, as they were. It wasn't going to change much, was it? Fast and Furious. So I, and I've seen a lot of Fast and Furious too, but there's there's so many movies I need to catch up. So it doesn't just have to be sci-fi. 
Uh, and like I say, these movies, these set of movies we watch, they're a particular kind of sci-fi. A cerebral kind of sci-fi, yeah. Exactly the kind that you were starved of in uh, yes. in China, I'm sure. Uh, look at the little details in I Am Mother, for example. Like at the start, it says how many days since the event it was. And I, 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 I'm not knocking it as a movie. I just I didn't really enjoy it that much. I mean, there, there were some movies like Your Report that I thought were terrible. And what was the other one? Arrival. I'm not, it wasn't terrible. I just <laughs> thought it had a worthy kind of pattern and wholesomeness that I just didn't really want. I just wanted gore and fighting, you know. Okay, I see. You, you rejected it. Your body rejected it. That's what it sounds like. Just a minor score down, you know, just a, a little half mark down. So what's your scores then? Let's do the scores for this. I think you gave your scores, didn't you? In electronic form. Well, I'm in order. Yeah, okay. What is the order? <laughs> well, so anyway, just looking, moving forward, moving forward, looking forward, pointing forward. Yes, I mean, I think movies, the genres that we could explore is the populist or kiddie side of sci-fi, i.e. Tron, you know. <laughs> Tron? Oh, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph, Ready Player <laughs> That's the whole area that we haven't looked at in terms of sci-fi. True, yeah. It hadn't even occurred to me that you would want to watch Tron. story and the princess of What's-It <laughs> and uh, some retro fun. But I think horror would definitely be a place to go. Because, you know, there's, there's also kind of a new wavy horror thing that Is you that? may have missed out on. I have missed uh, out. Like Midsummer, the Ari Aster movie. Oh, okay. I've heard of these things. And the, which is really uh, the Wicker Man for a new generation. I was going to say, is it the Wicker Man done again? Well, the Wicker Man was done again, of course, with Nicolas Cage. Um, it's famously or infamously, yes, yes. Infamously, so, yes. But So, obviously, we forget about that, but uh, uh, Midsummer <laughs> is the proper inheritor of the Wicker Man uh, kind of DNA, if you like. Who could forget Nicolas Cage in Wicker Man? Very few people. I'll <laughs> have the money to pay for PTSD therapy. <laughs> and then there's Get Out as well. Is another okay? Another yeah. Oh, sorry, Get Out of the movie. Okay. <laughs> but all of which is to say, we're still waiting for your scores on uh, I Am Daughter. Okay, so scores in reverse order. I am I am daughter. Uh, for me, a fairly resolute seven out of ten. This is your overall score, 7 out of 10. My overall score, yeah. That's good. That's a good score. I mean, I'd give it an 8, I think. Maybe an 8.5. It's, it's not a bad movie. I just, you know, I just wish it had just embraced its influences a little more naively and just thrown itself into its action. Special effects? Well, this is difficult. You know, there was some good stuff. And then there was a lot of people standing around doing nothing in with metal, steamy piped backgrounds uh, so for the for the lack of quantity the lack of volume SFX I'd have to say 6 out I don't think that's a fair way of judging the set of special effects I mean how much of it was there but that it's that important in a movie just it's quality over quantity you want it to be I want extra ice in my coat you want special effects to be in service of the movie and the story and not to look unrealistic, not to take you out of suspension of disbelief. You don't want... You're judging it on the fact that there isn't enough of it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. I, you know, I wanted to supersize and it didn't supersize. There's an army of robots, for goodness sake. Okay. Okay. Now, look, okay well, what's, well, your what's your score? 6.5. 6.5. I'm going to give it an 8 again for special effects. I can see you love this movie. Well, maybe 7.5 because... I don't know. Maybe it some of the outdoorsy enough. bits didn't look quite as realistic as they were. What about the science in the movie then? What score would you give it? No big problems with that. You know, the, the way the way that uh, the AI system was like a giant hive of Alexa units, so I thought it was pretty accurate. Could you imagine a robot could raise an infant human into a functioning human being? Well, now this is interesting, isn't it? Uh, there was that famous boy called Ivan in uh, in Russia. Raised by wolves. 
raised by wolves and, and, and later on could not. No, that was a little, yeah, Ivan, raised by wolves. Raised by dogs. There were, there were several boys in Russia raised by various animals. <laughs> anyway. And they were probably all called Ivan because it's a very popular name. But disregarding which one it was, uh, later he, 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 he couldn't develop human language. Or, and Sapir Wharf might want to know about this, he couldn't think uh, because, for whatever reason, mainly that he hadn't been exposed to language. And, and, and yeah, he didn't have the linguistic framework for his thoughts. He didn't have the framework to, to, to think, you know. So, so that, that's interesting. Now, when I was a teacher, teacher of adults at, at, at night school a few years ago, we, we had this as a, as a whole kind of discussion, a, a social club we used to call it, which was kind of like, the more discursive seminar-based classes. For the, I was a teacher of English, you know, the students, overseas students who could already speak English took part in to well, sort of broaden their English. Presumably in China, you were permitted to take an infant and raise it without human contact. <laughs> well, it, it was a discussion point. So we presented Ivan's case to the, to, to the class and, 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 and the take on this lesson was who was going to adopt him. And, and many students were, were quite clear that, you know, a black diplomat in Moscow could not bring up a child or, or a gay couple couldn't. So if we think humans can't bring up people, then why should a robot be able to? And I, I think in this circumstance, no, there's no way that the child would have grown up to be competent like she was simply with the care of a robot. Well, I thought that up until the point where they showed her watching the Johnny, Carst- Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. Because... Yeah, you know, she she would have had exposure to human beings. Because I was thinking, you know, like when she saw a picture of a man that uh, Hilary Swank had drawn, that she maybe have never seen a human man before. Yes. But she had. She she'd been watching TV all the time, so she she knew full well. So she so yeah. So so whether or not it ultimately was possible to do it, they have thought about this, and I I respect for that. So I thought that was quite that, that aspect of the science was quite. Good. Also, the creepy way that the robot had disguised the fact that she could actually, she was actually all the robots, and could actually listen to this girl wherever she was. I tell you what, I tell you what about this this situation. That poor girl, like everybody lies to her. Everybody she's ever met in her life has lied to her. Like the robot lies to her several times, different ways, and Hillary Swank lies to her. Oh, she does. Yeah, it's, it's, I, that I like that. I, I like the fact that Hillary was was a real bitch. But, of course, what you didn't see then, if you fell asleep at the end, was that it seemingly was all part of the robot's plan. Because, again, it's you know much smarter than we are, so it manipulates the situation. Wow. It knew Hillary was going to lie to her. Yeah, yeah. It, at the end of the movie, which is, this is a revelation to you and the audience that haven't seen the film. At the end of the movie, uh, the robot turns up at Hillary's swanky container and kills her, saying that, you know, she, she's, she's finished with her. She has no further use for her. Oh my gosh! So yeah, so this is the thing I liked about Hillary. She she hangs out on the beach inside a shipping container with the door just swings and clangs to and fro. Very locked down. Very locked down. Locked down. And if I can get myself hold of a shipping container, it's a. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pop it on the sands out down here, and it's a damn sight cheaper than a, than a beachside beach hut, isn't it? You know. A lot of uh, housing is being made out of disused shipping containers nowadays. In fact, we were in a bar in Singapore in a disused shipping container. Yeah, that was lovely. I mean, the, the beach huts here are £120 a day to rent. So, Wow. Well, yeah. Fairly reasonable. There's a cooker inside, you know, and you can. there's a little veranda thing you can sit on. Have you ever heard of a cooker with an integrated deep fat fryer? I've never heard of a cooker with an integrated deep fat fryer. It's amazing. I did. Oh, sorry. I thought this was like you know. I thought this was like not not joke. <laughs> it's something I only encountered the other day, and uh, I was amazed by. So where is the integrated deep fat fryer? It's on the hob next to the next to the the cooker rings. So so it's a plug, and a deep fat fryer connected to a plug. No, no, it's. It's a recessed, you know, a, a well. A well. And you put oil in it and it heats up and you fry stuff in it. Wow. Yes. I didn't know domestically those things existed. It sounds incredibly dangerous. It does sound rather dangerous. It, it beggars belief, really. I mean, is it, is it for sale globally or is it a domestic 
market they're looking to expand into here? I mean, I, I, I've never seen one. I don't know. I just know I've heard people tell me that these things exist. Yes. So for the science in I am, I am daughter, <laughs> I am mother. Did I call it I am daughter? Eight. Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. I, yeah, okay. I'll go, I'll go with eight. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we had categories for acting. Plotline or action or storyline. Uh, yeah, act, acting and story. Yeah, yeah. I think those are the other categories. Acting? The acting was strong. I think well, from all of them, really. They're all uh, competent at what they were doing. I think it was more the script and the plot that let this movie down for me. So... What, eight for acting or nine for acting? Ooh, 8.5 for me. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'll concur with that. I loved Hillary's knife-edge character. I loved the nasty side to her. She was great. And then, so the plot line there, you didn't like? Well, it seems, and this is, it seems that really they weren't looking to plot this one out. They were looking to present an idea that we were supposed to ponder upon. So it was more an essay than a story, wasn't it, really? It's like an extended Twilight Zone. Black, a Black Mirror episode, maybe. Yes. So it was. So it was more to go. Wow, is that possible? What would happen? It was more for us to think about. It, it was more a starting point and a think piece to to, to 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 as a springboard to other thoughts, I think, than anything else. Huh. Okay. So therefore, a generous six point five. So this is our only real area of disagreement, I think. Maybe and special effects, uh, but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be more generous and give it a seven point five. Oh, no big disagreement there. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we really disagree. It's it was not as you say anywhere near as bad as the bad movies on this list. Oh no 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 one here is bad. Now which brings us to next week, Richard. We yes, have yes, the potential yes. for a real turkey. Uh, I gave you a choice of Interstellar or The Beyond, and you chose which. I chose The Beyond because hmm. I have seen Interstellar, and so have you. I don't. And also, The Beyond is free on Amazon Prime at this moment. I mean, having seen a movie before, I don't think totally excludes it. But given the opportunity of seeing something I haven't seen, so Automator and Europa Report went into, and, and to some extent, Iron Mother decided to go for the kitchen sink drama realism of space travel or extended periods of time alone. Another reason for not watching Interstellar again is because it is also one of those movies that decides to be interminably dull about how you present space travel or beginning or the, or the preface to the taking off or whatever. I mean, as I remember, that, that movie took 60 minutes to even get going. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're exaggerating, but there is a lot of there is a lot of mucking around on farms at the start, which is there is a different. lot of mucking about on farms, isn't there? Or digging around under trees on farms, or or getting rid of the dust so you can dig under the tree, or or, or, or getting rid of dust in the house after the sandstorm comes. I mean, come on, just get into space, why don't you? But it's a Christopher Nolan film, and you know it's got a lot to recommend it. But I've chosen the Beyond. That's what we're doing. I know nothing about this film. So uh, I'm I. in the dark. <laughs> oh, we've got to hope and pray. It's a hail mary. It's a hail mary of cinematic entertainment, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So you're going to manage to watch this within the week. This I time. am. I'm going to be. I'm going to. Re- well, it's free on Amazon because oftentimes, if if I said it's three forty nine or whatever on YouTube Red, whatever it's called these days, or it's, you know two ninety nine on Amazon, or, or or however much, or it's yeah. just not on Netflix. I might put it off a couple of days, but it's free. Well, it's ready waiting. I, I think if it's free, you can afford to start watching it and fall asleep during it. Precisely. Yes. Yes. And the ones that we've paid for on Amazon Prime, of course, have that forty-eight hour limit thing, which I think is stupid. It's just like getting a movie from Blockbusters. It is exactly like getting a movie from Blockbusters. <laughs> In fact, it's more generous. I think. I think. You, did you have two days for? I, I can't remember. I mean. In the eighties, when I when I rented VHS, we didn't have Blockbuster in the small town that I'm from. We had an independent video cassette rental store. Oh, independent! I like it. I think we did take them out for the whole weekend. I think it was like Friday night, Monday morning kind of thing. And you had to rewind them at the end. <laughs> no, they rewind them for you. We put them in the letterbox. Oh right, okay. I had a big letterbox thing. We dumped them through. 
Because I, I tell you something, none of these movies I've have I rewound when I finished them. Whoever's streaming them next, it's <laughs> got it's got a few minutes to wait while it rewinds. Have you got, you've got to put in the recycle bin on your computer before you, before you can get sent there. So we'll we'll call it there. Absolutely. Yeah. Next week, the beyond. The beyond. And I will do my homework this week. I, I will try to open up one tab on my browser and find out something, just something about this movie, and I might even write it down on a pad. I wrote things about I Am Mother, but I titled the, I titled the note I Am Daughter, which is probably what I've said five times. Yeah, so. well, it, well, I think you were being witty. Or I thought you were being witty. Well, perhaps we can cut this bit out then and let people think that I was. <laughs> 